So yesterday was pretty amazing around our world here in Denton, right? For a few hours, we lived in a winter wonderland, and it was absolutely magical. It was going to be like just a normal Saturday, and then the flakes started falling, and there was this whole other center to life. Um, let's just say around my house, there was a lot of jumping up and down and kids running around the house screaming at the top of their lungs, do you want to build a snowman? And we did, we did. And we built snow people uh, around our house. Pete the Cat was part of this too. Um, luckily, we had some really tiny baby carrots in the fridge that we could use. Um, and of course, later on that day, snowballs came out and we had a good snowball fight. And then later on in the day, um, the snowmen themselves became snowballs that we then threw at each other. But for a little while, there was snow at the center of life, and it was beautiful. The world was frosted. The unraked leaves in my yard were covered with gentle contours. <laughs> and the hole that I was telling you about that we were digging at my house if you were here last week, the hole was like half full of snow, and it was amazing at our house. And then it melted. And we all learned an important lesson in life, which is take your snowballs and put them in the freezer if you're not going to use them. And so we've got snowballs at my house ready to go and ready to throw. So watch your step if you come near our neighborhood. Then the questions started coming as the snow started to melt. It was kind of like this thing that our life had been centered on for a little while started to melt away also. And so the question started to come, like, what do we do with the rest of our day now when the snow's melted? How are we going to have fun just running around on plain old grass? It's so boring. What do we do with all these frozen songs that are stuck in our heads that we want to sing out as we go? We needed a new center that could hold us. I was just thinking about that yesterday. It kind of reminded me of this faith journey that I've been on as I grew up, and, and kind of what we're talking about today. In my younger years growing up, um, my experience with faith and religion and, and God and myself had a, had a particular center of everything, a center of gravity, uh, maybe a set of rules to abide by or, or, or to behave or to be or to pretend to be in a way that made you part of the crowd. Maybe it was a particular way of reading the Bible or, or seeing the world in a way that offered black and white answers amidst questions of life. But whatever it was, this view sat at the center of life and faith and self for me. But as life went on, the center started to thaw out a little bit. Experiences came and questions arose and opportunities to listen to others and to learn from them. Experiences in my life of struggle, experiences of beauty and divinity in unexpected places that seemed, seemed new, yet somehow so timeless and right Something in me on my journey was shifting who I was and who I was experiencing God to be. How God was at work in the world and in us all. It was like that first childlike center of faith began to melt. And the center began to melt. And there was a part of that that was liberating. There was part of it that was seriously terrifying what once held a worldview together began not to maybe hold quite as tightly, and I felt like I needed to find a center again. And so think of it like 
the solar system. So indulge me here a little bit. I have a six-year-old kid, and so I'm kind of an amateur astronomer in my spare time. Uh, He expects me to know things about the world, and so I study a lot. Uh, Every day is just like one long oral exam (laughs) about space and dinosaurs and Pokemon. Like, I'm on my toes all the time. So, So I've been thinking a lot about the solar system, Uh, that the sun sits at the center of everything, and it holds all of the planets and and the dwarf planets like Pluto, what's up, and other celestial bodies and holds them in orbit, and the gravity gives energy and holds and moves all together and propels it in the motion of life. And just like that solar system, if we're missing the center, or maybe when our center is misplaced or centered on the wrong kinds of things, What once moved together in a dynamic system can't hold any longer. And so I think on my journey along the way, but even more in our lives, in our larger culture, we see evidence that the things around which religious systems have been centered in our modern life, the the centers of maybe behavior or in-and-out rules or power and exceptionalism, particular way of reading the Bible and understanding God and each other and ourselves, are those things that once were centered on, that assumed center isn't holding, and the consequences are profound, and we see it in the ethics of our world in some ways. But even in the midst of this season, amidst this experience of of decentering that can be liberating but also like a little terrifying and unsettling, there is a center that calls to us. There's this true center, I think, that if we listen, we just might hear a whisper at the depth of our soul and the truth of who we are, this, this resonance of something deep and divine that has always been there, a gravitational draw to what perhaps has been the true center all along. And right now, in our time and in our lives, in those moments where we might feel unsettled, with that unsettling is an invitation to a journey of recentering, an invitation to to developing a new awareness and a new openness to possibilities, to understandings of self and God and neighbor, a vision of what can and should be amidst this world, a way of life that's perhaps better centered on the God who is love and love alone on God's love, a a revolutionary love that has the power to hold and move and transform what we believe and what we do and who we are in the world and what is the center. And in that whisper is an invitation to center ourselves around it with a faith that is intellectually serious and spiritually connected and socially engaged and centered above all on love. It's an invitation to find the center that has always been there, holding it all together and sending it in motion. Even if we can't quite explain that to our six-year-old kid, or better yet, if our six-year-old kid can't quite explain that to us, because I think they get it deep down. But don't worry, um, we are not the first people to be in this place of dynamic transformation. In fact, Jesus stepped into a world among a religious system that was kind of like ours, that in some ways seems to have gotten a little bit off-center. Around him in the culture, people were prioritizing rule and ritual above people. They were closing doors that should be open and, and reading Scripture in a way that seemed to make God the possession of one particular ethnic group 
gender, religious expression, and class. And at the center of their faith expression was this circle of in and out. And into this world, Jesus brought a vision of something new. Uh, Not new exactly as much as timeless and there, but a new center, something revolutionary that was challenging and new, yes, but there was something about what he taught and the way he lived it out and the way he lived from the center that seemed right, like right, 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 right. It seemed to cut through the past and the baggage and the old context and contingencies and go right to the true center of everything, of who we are, of what who God is and the essence of what God is doing in the world in a way that resonated and held together. So Jesus modeled it and embodied it, but he also taught about this recentering. Like this one story that appears in our scripture library in the account of the gospel we call Matthew. And so one day Jesus is hanging out doing Jesus stuff. It's like fishing or like doing some minor carpentry, some, some light wine making, you know, Jesus stuff. And a, an expert in the law comes to him to talk to him. Someone, when it says expert in the law, that's kind of code, for someone for whom religious law was the center of everything. And this person asked Jesus, which, is, which commandment in the law is the greatest? So teacher, what is the center? What's the greatest center of life and faith and everything? And so Jesus looks up from his sandpaper that he's working on. He says, well, the first and greatest commandment is this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, which the religion of the day, uh, that was the answer that everyone would have given. This is what we knew of God with all you are. But Jesus keeps going in this moment. He says, and the second is like it. And like in this case in Greek means it's the same thing here. Love your neighbor as yourself. That Loving God and with that very same love, loving our neighbor, and as you love, love your neighbor as you yourself are loved, as you love yourself. So people asked elsewhere, you know, who is our neighbor then? And, and the answer came back, it's everyone you meet, but especially those who are vulnerable and in need, and especially those who seem to stand across lines, love them. And this answer from Jesus, love God, and in the same way, love your neighbor and love yourself, would have been so transformative if he just stopped there. But Jesus just kept going in this answer. This is the thing that Jesus seems to do often. He would open a door a little bit, and people would be like, well, Jesus, that door is open. It's probably good. Stop there. And then Jesus would just open it a little further and a little further. And so Jesus says, with that same love that you love your neighbor, you love God, you love yourself. He said, on those things, on those things, hang all the law and the prophets, which in their, ling- in their understanding of religion, this was shorthand for all the religious system, the writings, the teachings, the law, for the whole kit and caboodle, their way of life. Jesus says the whole of faith and life hangs on, depends on love. The center around which all of it is built to orbit is love, that love of God. And in the same way, our neighbor and ourselves. And so here and elsewhere, over and over in word and deed, Jesus points us further to the center of a God who is love, who is at work in love and invites us to join and invites us to center our lives and our movements around it. 
And that recentering was revolutionary. You can see the effects begin to work their way out through our scripture library and the communities of faith around them as people began to gradually awaken to the implications of the center of life and faith, uh, not being about, about behaving or being a certain class of person, but instead being invited to center ourselves around a revolutionary love that invites us to join. And so they would ask these questions as they began to catch on to this. You know, as we're called to love, what about our enemies? Well, love them as yourself. Well, what about people who seem different than us, that are different religion or nationality or, or like a different football team? What about them? The answer was love them too. Well, what about Gentiles? Yeah, love them. Barbarians? Yeah, love them. What about Scythians? And like, I mean, if you know what a Scythian is, then like love them too. Like love your neighbor as yourself and all. It is the center of it all. And there's this other question that you can see emerging too in this. Okay, well, if, if God is love and we're invited into this, then does that mean that God, like God loves us? The God of the universe loves us? And the resounding answer over and over from the communities of faith that gathered around this center were this a thousand times yes. The community around John wrote it this way, see what love Father's given to us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. This love that has been given to us, that we're a part of this story. We are children of God. That is the center. God so loves you, has shaped you, informed you, and knows you. In your uniqueness, in your idiosyncrasies, God loves you specifically, you with all you are, and calls you a child. That is what you are. And you may have been told along the way from different systems and stories that you're not in the center, or you may feel disqualified, but the message resoundingly from the heart of everything is of a God who loves you with unqualified love. At the center of your being, at the center of it all, in all you are, is God's love for you. And when we begin to awaken to that, it's revolutionary. That that kind of divine love sits at the center of everything and invites us to be a part. Uh, John Wesley, who is the founder of the Methodist movement in whose stream we stand, his view of God's love was summarized in this way. Uh, God's love is outgoing. Not that God's love like loves to talk and, and dance at parties and stuff, but I mean, sure, why not? But it's outgoing in that it goes out from God. It emanates from the center like rays of the sun. It embraces us. It includes us all. It is outgoing, embracing, and inclusive. That's the love at the center, God's love for you. And in the same way, we're invited to have that same kind of love at the center of ourselves, a love that goes out from us to our neighbor, that embraces, that includes. And you can see the progressive effects in our scripture library as more and more people were, were uh, embraced and included by this. It didn't stop with the last chapter and verse of Scripture, and it hasn't stopped in our time as well. The full effects are still working their way out in human history and in our own lives, like a revolution that's still unfolding for us. That love is at the center of everything, and that when we orient our lives around that center, we follow someone like Jesus who shows us how to do it. It brings the parts into right orbit in this new center, but one that feels deeply true like the way that it's always been. 
But this is all like super heady stuff, right? We've got life to live. We've got snowmen to make in our life. What does this do for us? You know, how does this hold together? Well, over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some practical ways that centering our lives here can begin to reorient ourselves and transform our lives and our work and our relationships and our faith, our spirituality, our, our work for justice and goodness in the world, everything at the center. Um, for instance, just thinking about faith, putting, putting love at the center means that we approach faith through a new lens, uh, through the lens of the God who is love. And so John Wesley, that I mentioned, that Methodist fella that we talked about earlier, in this sermon in 1740, describes how to read Scripture through the lens of love. He said that it means this for us, that no Scripture can mean that God is not love or that God's mercy is not over all of God's works. And so we put love at the center of the way we approach our faith and texts. We realize that there's times when our if we find something there that is not love, we find that there's times that our interpretation is wrong or perhaps that the writer misunderstood God's heart, but the center of our faith witness has always been true, that God's heart is love, that God's mercy is over all things, that if all the law and the prophets, as Jesus said, hang on love, then the center of love holds all things together, even as we listen to our scripture library. In the same way, having a center of love, for instance, helps us hold together amidst the twists and turns of life. Think about your work that you're going to uh, today or tomorrow, your occupation, whether you're an Uber driver or a scuba diver or like a nine-to-five survivor. No matter your occupation and what you do with your day job or your night job, the vocation that we're called to is the same, to be a part of the work of love in our world. And so the question for us becomes, how can we center our life around that? How can we use where I am and what I'm doing right now in big and small ways to love? How can I love those that I pick up on my Uber route? How can I love my coworkers and my clients? How can I love creation around me? How can I be centered in my vocation around this call to love? For most of all, for each of us, The revolution begins with realizing that the center of love is that wherever we walk and whatever we're doing and how we're approaching God and each other, the center of love means that between you and your creator that there is nothing but love, that nothing can separate you, that you stand before the God of the universe and God looks and smiles and so loves you. And we begin to realize that it begins to change everything. It's a revolution for us as well. And on and on. We begin to orient our lives around love. All the parts of us begin to move and orbit together. And we experience and get to be a part of a transformation, a recentering revolution. And so I keep saying that word revolution because this shift toward a new center is nothing short of that for our faith and our life and our community. And I, and I think in many ways, our generation, and I'm saying generation very broadly, for all of us in this room, in our time here, I think we're standing in the midst or at the cusp of one. As I mentioned, that, that center that I grew up with, reading scripture in a particular way, or approaching religion as one of rules alone, or exclusivity alone, settling our communities in complacency or, or supremacy, 
that sinner simply is not holding, and the ethics of our world show it to be so. But the true sinner that has always been, amidst all of the things that human beings construct, that true sinner of the God who is love and the Jesus who shows us a way to walk within it, that center is holding and moving and calling and inviting us in a revolution. So back to space in the solar system, which is what we all came here for today. So, right. so pardon, is it cool if I get nerdy for just a second? Okay, thank you. I appreciate that permission. So 500 years ago, there's a point to this, but 500 years ago, there was this serious revolution that changed everything about the way we saw ourselves and our world, everything. And so go with me for a second. There's a point, I promise. A little bit of history for us, uh, for pretty much all of human existence. Uh, we thought and we understood and we assumed that the earth was the center of the universe. And we looked up at the sky and we saw things that way. The sun is going around us, obviously, and the moon is going around us, and the stars are doing their thing out there too. And that's just the way the world worked. The earth is the center and everything moves around us. And so this really smart guy named Ptolemy, had all these elaborate models describing how earth was the center of everything. And when you read the Bible, it's there in the background too. There's actually some verses that just assume that the universe works that way because that's what everyone assumed. And that was what everyone understood to be the center of everything. Until 1543, when this Polish scientist, Nicholas Copernicus, published his book on the revolutions of the celestial spheres, which we've all read a few times, I know. But he presents, postulates, perhaps there is a totally different center of everything. That the sun, for us, is the center of our solar system, and we are a part of a system so much more. Because when he looked out, Copernicus and later Galileo looked out at the world, he said, you know, what I'm seeing and experiencing doesn't match what we've been assuming about life. The old sinner doesn't seem to hold together. I think there's something bigger at work here. And Copernicus and Galileo, of course, did not have the easiest path because can you imagine trying to change the way that everyone for all of human history has understood our place in the world? Um, I try sometimes just to think about what it would mean to change our conception and our perception in that way. But Galileo said this. He said, even if we can't grasp it in full, it still moves. The true center still holds and moves our world. So people call that the Copernican Revolution because in time, people began to see that this does hold together. It matches our experiences, our observation. It seems to be the way the world truly works and always has. And all of a sudden, in that moment, our view of the universe and ourselves went from small and provincial to almost infinite. It opened up everything. They were still looking at the same objects, the sun and the moon and the stars, but they understood them and our place within them and their interrelations with each other totally differently. In the same way, the revolution that Jesus invites us to is even more transformative, perhaps. We still see God and our neighbor and ourselves, our lives, our work, our spirituality, our faith, the texts of our faith, our ethics efforts for justice and goodness in our world, we still see them, but we understand them in their place and our place within them, their relationships in the center around which they move totally differently because we've found the true center. 
the way the world truly works. Not law, but love. Not behaving, but belonging. Not in and out, but an outgoing, embracing, inclusive love that emanates and changes everything. And we may not grasp it in full right now, but it still moves, and it still moves us. And just like that Copernican revolution, when we begin to understand a new center of it all, our vision of what is and what can be goes from small and provincial to infinite and universal. The revolution of love at the center of everything. But don't worry. When Jesus sat down to tell people about this and to unveil this vision, he did not sit down with a a map of the solar system and a textbook to explain it. At least we don't think so, right? No one wrote it down. It's probably because when he did that, no one knew what he was talking about, and they were very bored, which I probably should have taken notes on. Um, Don't do that part. But instead of astronomy, the way Jesus taught us about this revolution was simply by building a community, by gathering people together, and showing us how to put love at the center. And so in his time here, he gathered all people, young and old, rich and poor, fishermen and philosophers, devout and doubters. And he taught them how to live in love with each other, with the God who loves them, with their neighbors as themselves, to be people whose center is love. And it wasn't perfect, but it was the seed of a revolution that's changing everything and inviting us to be a part. Because it's in community that that revolution is built to take hold. As we put into practice love, as we grow in love, as we encourage each other in our lives, in our families and friends, and in our work together, as we seek to embody love in our world and work for justice, which is love in action, as we seek to learn to love God and our neighbor and ourselves more and more together. This is where the revolution begins for us in this community and communities across the world and our global community together. And so over the next weeks, as we talk about some of the transformative things that happen, the small and big things that happen when we center around love in practical ways, in spiritual ways, what we're talking about is the center that God invites us to find in the midst of everything and what happens when we begin to let love be the center. In this community and in the community of all, as we let the love of God be the center of our lives and of our world, it has the power to transform everything. So let's be open. Let's be courageous. Let's try it. Let's see what God might do. And so I pray over these next weeks in this season of life together, in this community and all the communities that you move in in your life, and the community of your relationship with God and yourself, may love be the center here in your life and in the world. May it move you. May it hold you. And may it change everything. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your love for us that sits at the center of this experience of coming to seek you but finding 
that you've been seeking us all along. Coming to grow in love, but to find that you have loved us first and far before and forever. And so, God, we come with the freedom to stand together, to stand with you and each other, and to seek to center our lives in that same outgoing, embracing, inclusive love. Let this love center us this season. Our work and our life, our relationships, our spirit, our faith be centered in you. The true center. God, give us the courage to open our lives and ourselves to try new things, but most of all, to let this love grow in us, grow in this community, and be a part of growing it in the world. We pray all of this in incredible gratitude and in response to the call to be ambassadors of your love in our world. Help us to be people of peace, people of goodness, people of faith, people of hope, and people of love. We pray this in your name. Amen.